you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. When you graduate from high school, from trade school, from college, graduate school, one of the first things you have to do once you graduate is you have to go out and get a job. I hate to tell you that, but you need to go out and get a job because you're no longer on your mom and dad's account. You have to pay for your own bills, and the way you do that is you get a job. And so as you look for a job, there are several things that you look for. First of all, you try to find a job doing something you enjoy doing. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you don't want to spend your life doing something you don't enjoy doing. And so when you're looking for a job, you want to find something you enjoy doing. Second of all, you want to find people you enjoy doing it with. I mean, you don't want to go to work every Monday morning and work all week with people you don't like, with people that don't like you. I mean, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be terrible to go to work every week and go, I don't like those people. They don't like me. This is awful. This is terrible. And so you got to find a place where you enjoy the people you're working with. But then once you find a job that you like and you find people you want to work with, the third thing you do is you find out, what are they going to pay me? I mean, because you don't work for free, do you? I mean, you work so that you can make money so that you can pay your bills. And so you find out what they're going to pay you because a worker is worthy of their wage. But then once you find out what they're going to pay you, there is another thing that I think a lot of people many times overlook. And that is the benefit package. What are the benefits that go along with the pay? You see, the pay doesn't include the benefits, but the benefits are an important part of what we make. Our benefits are things like vacation time, sick leave, insurance, retirement. I mean, there are some jobs that, that may not pay that much, but goodness gracious, their benefit package makes the job worth it. And so even though the benefits aren't part of the pay, they're an important part of the job we have. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. And then Paul follows that by telling us some of the benefits that you and I have because we have been made right with God by faith. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. Notice how Paul begins. He says, therefore. I've told you this before. Whenever we see that word therefore in Scripture, we need to look what is before it to see what it is therefore. And when we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, what we need to do is go all the way back to chapter 1 in Romans and see what Paul has said. And Paul has told us two very important things thus far in the book of Romans. First of all, he's told us that we're all guilty. We all deserve the wrath of God. Not one of us are innocent. The Bible says all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. You're not righteous. I'm not righteous. 
None of us are righteous. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve death and hell. We are guilty before God. But then in chapter 3, verse 21, Paul makes a dramatic turn. And he tells us that even though we are guilty, even though we deserve the wrath of God, God in His grace, God in His mercy has chosen to show us forgiveness. And the way He does that is when we place our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. We are told that we are made right with God through faith. You don't become right with God by the good things you do because the truth of the matter is none of us could ever do enough good things to be made right with God. The only way that any of us could ever be made right with God is through faith. And so Paul says, therefore, since we have been made right with God through faith, we have these benefits. And Paul gives us four benefits that each and every one of us have if we've been made right with God through faith. Now, I want to give these to you, and then we're going to unpack them this morning. First of all, Paul tells us that we have peace with God. Then he tells us we have access to God. And then he tells us we have hope that comes from God. And then finally, he tells us that we have the love of God. And so we have peace, we have access, we have hope, we have love, all because we've been made right with God through faith. Now, the first thing he tells us is that we have peace with God. Notice what Paul says in the second half of verse 1. He says, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that you and I have peace with God? Now, here's why. Because all of our struggles, all of our turmoil, all of our conflict, whether it's internal inside of us or whether it's external with other people, is all a byproduct of our upward conflict. Our conflict with God. Did you hear me? Any conflict that you have inside yourself, any conflict that you have with anyone else is a result of the conflict that you have with God. You see, God created us. God made us. And he made us for a relationship with himself. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for relationship. But they disobeyed the one command God gave them. They declared war on God. They rebelled against God's authority, God's rule. And because of that, they began to be at war with God. They lost the peace with God. And when they lost peace with God, they lost every other peace that they could have in their life. Because they lost peace with God, they lost peace with one another, murder, entered the world. Because they lost peace with God, they lost internal peace. They were at conflict with themselves. You see, their sin affected every area of their lives. In Romans chapter 3, verse 17, we're told one of the byproducts of our sin is we don't know where to find peace. 
And that's the problem in the world. I mean, we're all looking for peace, but we don't know where to find it. And so we try to find peace in, in a bottle of pills. We try to find peace in popularity. We try to find peace in, in power or prestige or, or in the things that we have. And, and we can't find peace. And then some of us think that, that we can find peace if we get the right people in government. We can find peace if we pass gun control regu regulations. We can find peace if we have the, the right um, um, regulations in place, the right laws in place in our country. But even when we pass those things, we don't have peace. Because you see, you need to understand, we're never going to have peace with other people. We're never going to have peace with ourselves until we have peace with God. In Ephesians 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated them. You see, Jesus Christ came into this world. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I could have peace with other people. What he said in Ephesians is amazing because what God said is when Jesus died on the cross, the hostility that sin brought to mankind, our hatred for one another has been defeated. Now we can be one family, we can be one race, we can be one people because we belong to God through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You see, the only way that you and I can have peace with other people is when we're united by the Spirit of God living within us. And each and every one of us, we want that outward peace. We want that peace in our relationships. We want peace on earth and goodwill toward man. I mean, we even sing about it at Christmas time. And yet, none of us really experience it in our lives. I mean, come on. We, we come together at Christmas with family and friends that we see a couple of times a year. And we're sitting around the Christmas dinner table and we begin to talk. And then as we begin to talk, we begin to debate. And we begin to argue. And before long, we're fighting. And this peace that we, we sing about at Christmas time, we don't even have around our Christmas dinner table. It's ridiculous. You see, you and I can't have peace with others when we're at war with God. And then we want this internal peace. We want this peace inside of us. But then Christmas exposes that we don't have that peace. I mean, we see other people getting things at Christmas that we want, that we can't afford. And we're miserable because they have things that we don't have, that we can't have. And we don't have this internal peace. Peace. And yet the Bible says God wants us to have that. Jesus said, my peace I give you. Not like the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. The apostle Paul said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Later on he said, let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And yet we come at Christmas and we discover we don't have that internal peace. We don't have that external peace with others. And the reason is because we don't have peace with God. I want you to hear me. You're never going to have peace with other people until you have peace with God. You're never going to have peace inside until you have peace with God. You're never going to be able to face the storms of life with peace until you have the peace of God. And the only way that that's going to happen is for you to surrender, you to quit fighting, you give up, you relinquish control, you trust completely the one who created you and the one who saved you. And when you do that, you can discover that he can give you a peace that passes your very ability to understand. It's only that way. And it's crazy. It's crazy because we, we say we trust God to save us, but then we don't trust him to watch over us. We say we trust God to get us to heaven, but then we don't trust him in our relationships. That's ludicrous. That's foolish. And we wonder why we're not having peace. You see, when you trust completely, when you surrender totally, give in to God, you make peace with God, it's then that you can have internal peace. Last night, Sherry and I went by the cemetery to, to visit the grave of, of our son, Josh. And, um, and it's kind of surreal. It's, and it'll be three years in, in May that, that Josh passed away, and it still doesn't seem real. And when we, when we went out to the grave um, site, I mean, I just, I got to tell you, my eyes began to tear up, and, and there was just, just heaviness inside of me. There's, there's a hole in my heart. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. There's a hole in my heart, and, and that hole's never going to be repaired this side of eternity. It's just, it's there. I mean, I, I miss him. But I know that I'm never going to see him again. And those tears come up. And yet, I want you to hear me. I have peace. Tears were there. There's a hole in my heart. But he's given me peace. And I was sitting there. I trusted him completely. I knew that God was on control. in control. I knew that he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. You see, when we have peace with God, we can have peace in the midst of troubling times. And we can have peace with other people. I know this surprises some of you, but my wife and I fight. We do. We fight. She starts it, but we fight. I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, she'll be in the bathroom or somewhere, and I'll sneak up behind her, and I'll goose her. And, I mean, she'll turn around and try to hit me. I mean, she'll, she'll get violent on me. And we'll have these fights. And, you know, I'm, I'm joking there. But, I mean, we'll, we'll have fights. We'll have arguments. We'll get into it at times. And I'll look at her and I don't like you. And, she's, and she'll say, sing to you. And, I mean, we have that at times. But, but because we have peace with God, we can always come back and we can love one another. I mean, in the midst of the difficulties of life, in the midst of relationship hardships, and there are relationship hardships, we can have peace with each other, and we can love each other. And the reason we can is because we have peace with God. I want some of you to hear me. 
The reason you jump from relationship to relationship and no relationship ever satisfies, no relationship is ever good enough for you is because you're really at war with God. You're not trusting Him. And the reason some of you can't make it through even the smallest of difficult times in your life is because you don't have peace with God. And if you don't have peace with God, you're never going to make it through the trials and the tribulations of life and have the peace of God in your life. And I want you to know, peace with God, which produces the peace of God in your life, is a byproduct of being made right with God. It's a benefit. Peace with God. Here's the second thing that we see. We have access to God. Listen to what it says in verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And that word brought us into literally is the Greek word which means to introduce, to, to gain admission. It describes someone who was given an audience with the king. You see, what you need to understand is Jesus, through his death on the cross took us by the hand and has taken us into the throne room of God. God's Son, Jesus, has taken us into the very presence of God. One of my favorite passages at Easter time is Jesus' death. I love reading the story of Jesus' death. The reason I love reading the story of Jesus' death is because it reminds me how much he loves me and what he's done for me. And if you read the story of Jesus' death in three of the Gospels, it tells us that, that from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, darkness covered the face of the earth. And most of us believe that that darkness covered the face of earth because all of the sin of humanity from the beginning of time to the end of time was coming upon Jesus as he hung on that cross. But at 3 o'clock, something happened. At 3 o'clock, as Jesus breathed his last breath, the curtain, the veil in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies, the, the very presence of God was torn in two. Why did that happen? What does it mean? Well, what you need to understand is, first of all, Gentiles, people like us, we weren't allowed into the temple at all. We couldn't even go into the temple to worship God. We could go into the Gentile court, but we couldn't go into the temple. And good Jews couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. The high priest was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies, and he could only do it one time a year. But when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, the veil, the curtain that separated the presence of God from the people was torn in two. So that access was now granted to you and I. You and I can go into the very presence of God. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of phone calls. Do you get a lot of phone calls? You do too? I and mean, I get a lot of them. And, and a lot of the phone calls I get are spam calls. 
You know, you think it's a number that's like somebody you know, and you pick it up, and you go, hello? And there's silence. And then all of a sudden, you hear this voice on this line, hello? And then they want to sell you a timeshare, or they want, you to, they want to pay off your student loan debt, even though you've never had student loan debt, and all of that stuff like that. And so you hang up, and you block the number, and then they call back again on another number. And so I've started doing something. I don't answer my phone. I don't answer my phone. I mean, if I don't know who's calling, I don't answer my phone. If I do know who's calling, I don't answer my phone. <laughs> Just let you know, I don't answer my phone. I'll call you back, but I don't answer the phone. I figure if it's important, you'll leave me a voicemail. And if it's not that important, I'll call you back when I've got time. But there's a group of people that when their number pops up on my phone... I answer. I mean, I may be meeting with Scott Cree. And I'm saying, I gotta, I'm sorry, Scott. I got a phone call. I got to take this. And, and those people, it's my wife, it's my children, it's my parents. If my wife, my children, my parents call, I'm going to get the call. Now, I may be in an important meeting, and I have to step out and, and answer the phone, and it's my wife, and I go, hey, babe, what you need? Hey, just seeing what you're doing. <laughs> And I go, well, I'm in a very important meeting. Scott Creed's about to fire me. Um, but but I, I'll call you back when we get through. And so I'll hang up, and then I'll call her back because it wasn't important. But she has access to me 24-7. My kids have that access to me. My parents have that access to me because they are family. Well, what the Bible is teaching here is that because we have the privilege through Jesus, we now have access to God 24-7. That means that any and every one of us who have been made right with God through faith can go into the throne room of God, can sit up in the Father's lap and tell Him our hurts, we can tell Him our sorrows, we can tell Him our problems, we can tell Him our struggles, we can tell Him our joys, we can tell Him our wants and our wishes, and we know that He's going to sit there with His arm around us, loving us, listening to us, because we have access to the Father. I don't know about you, but i got to tell you, that makes me seem special. Amen? I mean, doesn't it make you feel special to know that the Almighty God, the sovereign creator of everything, has given you access to Him 24-7? Each and every one of us. And Paul says, because you've been made right with God through faith, you have this access with God. You have peace with God. You have access to God. But then there's a third thing. He says, we have hope from God. God. Listen to what it says in verses 3 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that, that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment. And in the Greek, the word hope is found three times in these verses. But what you need to understand about this word is this. This isn't a hope so hope. I hope this is going to happen. I hope I get this for Christmas. This isn't a hope so hope. I mean, have you ever hoped that you were going to get something for Christmas and you didn't get it and you were disappointed? 
I mean, I have. There have been things I've wanted that I didn't get for Christmas. There have been things I've wanted for my birthday that I didn't get. There's been things that I've wanted in life that I didn't get. I hoped that I would get them, but I didn't get them. That's not what this is talking about here. This is a no-so hope. What this means is that you were with the person when they bought the gift for you. You know you're going to get it. This is a confident assurance that what you hope for, you will receive. But here's what you need to understand. This hope, even though it's given to us the moment we place our faith in Jesus, this hope is forged in the trials and the problems of life. Let me say that again. This hope that is given to us when we're saved by faith is forged, develops, grows, it matures as we face the problems and the trials of life. And the reason is, our hope, the hope that comes from God, it's not found in this world. You see, our hope is in something better. Jesus said this in John 16, He said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have lots of trials. You're going to have lots of sorrows. But take care. Don't worry. I've overcome this world. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Listen, this world will always disappoint you. The best that you can hope for is to live a long, healthy life with relative ease. That's the best you can hope for, to live a long life, good health, in relative ease. But the truth of the matter is, regardless of how long you live, regardless of how healthy you may be, regardless of how easy life may be for you, one day, listen up, you're going to die. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you teenagers. It's going to happen to you adults. It's going to happen to us old folks. It's going to happen to everybody. The healthiest people in the world don't live forever. The richest people in the world can't buy eternal life. You see, our hope isn't in this world. And so as we go through the trials and problems of this life, we begin to realize that we were created for something better. And our hope begins to grow along the way. And so does our perseverance, our ability to stick with it in the midst of difficult times. And so does our character. We find out that we are living more and more like Jesus Christ. You see, part of our problem here in America is we are just flat out spoiled. Spoiled. You're not going to like this. I want you to say it with me. I want you to say this with me. We're spoiled. Say it. I want you to say it again. We're spoiled. Let's say it one more time. We're spoiled. Some of you aren't saying it. 
You don't believe me. And you that aren't saying it, you're the most spoiled of all. You are. You say, Rocky, what do you mean by that? Let me tell you what I mean. We are so spoiled in America because we think we got it tough. And, and tough in America means, man, I just don't have enough money to buy the presents I want to buy for my kids this year. That's what having it tough means in America. When all around the world, tough means, I don't know if I'm going to have food to feed my kids today. I mean, that's tough. We're spoiled in America. We sit back and whine. Man, they took prayer out of the schools. And I think we, we messed up when we took prayer out of the schools. But we think, man, this is awful. This is terrible. We're being persecuted. They've taken prayer out of the schools. We don't have the right to pray. Yes, you do. Just because they tell you you can't pray out loud doesn't mean you can't pray when you eat at school. It doesn't mean you can't pray before you take that test. Hey, I always pray before I took the test. How do you think I graduated? I mean, we can pray, but we sit back and say, man, life's tough. We can't pray in our school. When all around the world, listen to me, there are Christians that they're not worried about praying in school. They're worried about the police coming, dragging them out of their home, putting them in prison because they serve Jesus. I mean, that's tough. We are flat out spoiled. We don't know what it means to have trials and problems and sorrows and pain. And so when we experience loss, we think our world has fallen apart. And there are people all around the world who, who are losing every family member because of disease and pestilence and they can't get a simple shot. We're spoiled. And we whine and we complain. And the reason is, listen, we think that what we're looking for is going to be found somewhere in this world and it's not. It's not. And as we go through the trials and the problems and the pain and the heartache of life, it causes us to, to realize that, that there's something more to life. It's, this, this world is not where it's at. And we begin to put our hope in something else. Someone else. We discover that God's got something better for us. You see, because we've been made right with God through faith, we have peace with God. We have access to God. We have the hope of God. And finally, we have the love of God. Now, to be honest, this love that God gives us is mind-boggling. It defies human logic. It doesn't make sense. Listen to what Paul says, beginning in verse 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though... Someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies... We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. 
So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And this passage contains one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, Romans 5, 8. But God. But God. And two of the sweetest words ever written. But God. Commended, displayed, poured out, showed his love toward us in this way. While we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, while we were still in rebellion, while we were still spitting at him, he died for us. You see, God didn't wait for us to come to him. God didn't wait for us to call out to him. God came to us. When we were powerless, when we were hopeless, when we were helpless, when there was nothing we could do about our sin, Jesus came. And he took our sin upon himself. And he didn't do it because we cried out to him. He didn't do it because, because we asked him to restore us. He did it while we were in rebellion against him. He did it while we were yelling, crucify him. He did it while we were nailing him to the cross. He did it while we were mocking him as he was in agony. He did it while he was, while he was breathing his last breath. He did it while we hated him, while we ignored him, while we lived our own way. That kind of love doesn't make sense. You see, you and I, we know love in a different way. I mean, we love if. If you do this for me, I'll, I'll love you in return. Or, or maybe we're, we've grown a little beyond that and, and we love you because. I, I love you because you do these things. But the Bible says that God loves us in spite of. The Bible says God loves us Regardless of whatever we've done, wherever we are, God loves us. Unconditional, sacrificial, all-consuming. That's how God loves us. Some of you here this morning are worried that someone may stop loving you. Listen, God will never stop loving you. There's nothing you could ever do. It would cause God to quit loving you. Oh, his love is all-consuming. And we have that love. We've been made right with God through faith. And on top of that, we have peace. We have access. We have hope. I mean, goodness gracious. Being made right with God, being given a home in heaven, and that's good enough. But on top of all of that, God says, I'm going to give you some things that are going to make your life here on earth so much better. I'm going to give you peace as you walk through life. Peace in your relationships, peace inside. I'm going to give you access to my throne room 24-7. I'm going to give you hope. No matter what comes your way, no matter what sorrow hits you, I'm going to give you a hope that there's something better 
to look forward to. And I'm going to give you my love. No matter what happens, no matter where you go, no matter how far you fall, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to keep on loving you. I'm never going to stop loving you. And so as you walk through life and life gets tough, hang on. Because the benefits that I give you are going to see you through. Now, what about you? Do you have those? Do you have a right relationship with God? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Has peace with God produced the peace of God in your life? Do you know what it is to be able to crawl up in the lap of the Father and tell Him your hurts, your happiness, your pain, your desires? Do you know what it is to have hope in the midst of tribulation? Do you know what it is to know that God loves you even when you mess up? You can have it. But it begins when you place your faith in Jesus. You trust Him. You trust Him completely. You surrender to Him, believing that He knows best what you need. You can have it all. Every bit of it. But it begins with faith. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here, you've never placed your faith, your trust in Jesus, then I want to challenge you today to quit running, quit fighting, quit rebelling. Surrender to Jesus. Place your faith in Him. Because he will bring a joy and a happiness, a peace, a hope, a love to your life that nothing else will. And so if you're here and you need to trust Jesus today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've rebelled against you. I know I've been full of pride. I'm sorry. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross to pay for all of my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, defeating sin and death for me. And this morning, I'm trusting you to save me. This morning, Jesus, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm surrendering. I'm giving you control. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new like you promised. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. 